You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hope that you are well. We are in our second episode of our series, My Story. And uh, for this story, I sat down with my good friend, Courtney, and she told us her story. And she has this amazing story. She was super willing to be honest and vulnerable. And I was wildly impacted by uh, her vulnerability and willingness to share her story. And that's the purpose of this podcast series is for us to understand the impact of our story that God has used and orchestrated our stories in tandem with one another to build community um, that supports, that encourages, that the challenges that builds one another towards him. And so I hope that you get as much out of this as I did. This is my friend Courtney telling her story. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Evan. <laughs> Glad that you're here. Thanks for being willing to tell your story. Um, I've known Courtney for about a year now which is crazy that's that it's, so crazy. That's been a year already. And I know lots of parts of your story. We've been in small groups together and stuff like that, but I've never heard the entire thing. So thanks for being willing to tell your story. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. So Courtney, tell us your story. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was born in Arizona. Um, I lived in Phoenix my whole life, moved around a lot with my family. Um, my mom and dad had me and my older brother, and I wasn't raised super Christian or anything like mm. that. My dad and my my mom and my grandma, they call themselves Christians, but we really only went to church on, like, Easter, Christmas, those sure. kinds of things. So that was super – I mean, just well, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as time went on, my dad started drinking more. Um, he was an alcoholic and my mom since before I can even remember has been a opiate addict and a heroin addict. So that was really rough growing up, seeing my mom, um, just high all the time, ODing, falling asleep while she's supposed to be taking care of us. Mm. Um, so that was, that was really rough. And, um, my dad was pretty abusive towards my mom in front of me and my older brother a lot. Um, so that was something that we dealt with pretty frequently. Um, when I was about seven years old, um, my mom ended up leaving. Um, so she, she was homeless for a while and, uh, we stayed with my dad and I mean, for a while things were kind of okay. We just became a lot more independent, um, taking care of ourselves, um, cause he just worked all the time. We went to school, walked home, did our own thing. Um, and that was just my first introduction into like hopelessness, honestly, like feeling like nobody's there for me. Nobody's taking care of me. Um, my father was, he was there, but he was still absent at the same time. So that was really hard. And then, um, I know I'm skipping around a lot. So if you have any questions as I go, just let me know. But, um, as I went through school, um, obviously my me- my mom left pretty young, so yeah. I <clears throat> had issues knowing that I was supposed to like brush my hair or match my clothes oh, yeah. and small things like that. And so I would go to school, and people would just make fun of me mm-hmm. like hardcore. Yeah. And so 
that really sucked going to school and thinking that everybody my age hated me, but not understanding why. Because even though I see it now that it was because I didn't, I didn't understand these things. Like as a kid, I didn't get that. Like I I looked at the other kids around me and I was like, wow, like why are they so put together? And I'm not. And I was also just really emotional because of everything that was going on. So kids would say things to me and then I would cry and then it just escalated from there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, And so um, just as time went on, I was sexually assaulted a few different times. Um, between the ages of 8 and 12 by three different people who I all knew. Um, And that was really, really hard. And I didn't tell anybody about the first time until maybe two years later. Um, And I was so scared. As a kid, I was introduced to sexuality so young because I was sexually assaulted but also because my parents weren't super secretive about their sex life and would just going to put it bluntly would have sex right in front of me and my brother honestly um and so that um was really difficult and was something that I saw like oh this is like an adult thing right Right. as a kid and so then being sexually assaulted, I knew deep down that it wasn't my fault, but I was so scared that I was going to be the brunt of the the the, the trouble for yeah. it. Like, it was going to be my fault. Mm. And so I kept it a secret for a really long time, um, and it just continued um, a few more times, and that just was heartbreaking, so. Yeah, so you you were forced into adulthood in multiple ways. Yeah. Like not having a parent to take care of you and then being sexually assaulted. Yeah. Like on multiple levels, you you were forced to grow up. Yeah. And so when I was about, uh, I want to say about nine, um, my dad had a one-night stand with a woman, and um, it resulted in her getting pregnant. Mm. And they – uh, got engaged because her family um, was Hispanic and they did not believe in sex before marriage and sure. all of that. So sure. they got engaged and my dad sent me and my brother away to Idaho for two months huh. to stay with another family member and we were not even introduced to her. Wow. So we came back two months later and there's a random lady living in our house and you would think that it would be like, oh, this is who I am. Like, so good to meet you. Right. Like, no, she met me and was like, what is wrong with you? Mm. Your hair isn't done. Your clothes don't match. Like, what are you doing? And like made me feel awful for the way mm. that I was taking care of myself as a child who had no other option. Right. And not only that, but also made me feel shameful about the way that I was taking care of the household because nobody else was doing it. Like it was my job to do the dishes, take out the trash, sweep them off the floors, like all of that. So that was really, really hard to come home and have somebody (laughs) be like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't even know you lady. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just my little brother was born, um, and he's 10 years younger than me. Um, and he just pretty much very quickly became my responsibility. Mm. Um, my 
dad and his fiance um, were just constantly out doing their own thing. And um, after probably about a year or so, they she got pregnant again, but they split up. Um, and so from that, my little sister was born as well. And I started taking care of her as well. And about that same time, my father started using meth. Mm. And so that was really hard. Um, and he was just constantly just even more absent than he was right. before, if that was yeah, even poss- possible. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, <coughs> sorry. So he was just more and more absent and, um, it was just my responsibility to take care of my younger siblings for the next few years. I, got them up, got them ready, got them to, you know, into the car and then they would get to daycare from there and I Mm. would just get myself to school. But yeah, so they were pretty much like my babies from a really young age. And when my dad started using meth, he became a lot more um, abusive towards me and my brother. And um, it was very, very physical. He, um, also started bringing home a lot of different women. Um, it was to the point where we had like a different woman for every night of the week. Like, oh, we knew like yeah. this one is Monday, this one is <laughs> oh Tuesday. God. Like you yeah. started naming them that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that was not super fun because even though before like he's an adult, he's gonna do what he wants, but he started bringing them home, right. and then that's you know, waking up the kids that I just put to sleep or, you know, like it's, it was just really frustrating. And so unlike my brother who learned to just keep his mouth shut and go to his room, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> learn to do that. I just, that does not surprise me no, at all. <laughs> I didn't learn to do that. I wish I would have, but mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, so I would just, man, I would get so mad and I would just yell at him and be like, what are you doing? And, man, it just escalated from there, and things just got so physical. Um, There was a few times where he choked me, where he punched me in the face, Um, and it just – it was really rough. And my older brother um, definitely took the brunt of it, even though it was my fault. He would, you know, stand between and and do that. And so that was was really hard, Um, and – Yeah. And so my older brother, I was probably about 14 at this point. um, And me and my dad had gotten to a pretty bad argument um, because I purposefully called one of the girls he brought home by a different name. And yeah, it was pretty funny. I thought so. (laughs) Um, And so my brother uh, came out into the kitchen and saw that my dad had was holding me by my throat Mm. and um he stepped between us and my dad took him instead and uh started to choke him and that was really really crazy because I'd seen it happen before but not to the extent that this experience was and so like my brother had started to like turn purple and so I like oh I was like screaming at my father to let him go and it was it was really scary and he just wasn't letting go like he normally would have and so from there I um I threatened my father's life with a knife and he just laughed 
and mm-hmm. didn't care. And so that was the first time that I had ever out loud threatened my own life. Yeah. And that was when he let my brother go. And then he just left. Um, and he didn't come back for a few days. Oh. So that was really scary. Um, but my brother ended up leaving. Um, once my dad came back, he packed a bag and he left and he told me, I'm going to stay with our uncles for like a few weeks. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be back. Um, and I couldn't go with him because I had to take care of my younger siblings, but not only that, because the uncle that he was going to stay with was one that had sexually Mm. assaulted me previously. So I couldn't go with him. And so, um, after a few days I had, um, gone to school and I was in high school at this point. I just was always ditching school. I was like, my life is so hard everywhere else. Like I just didn't want to deal with anything at that point. And so I would always ditch school and just go to this little, uh, gas station across the street with all my friends and, and, um, whatever, but we had a big test that day. So nobody else wanted to go with me. Everybody's like, we have to do this test. We have to do it. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I hopped the fence and I left and I went to this gas station across the street. And um, I'm sorry, I'm going to backtrack for just a second. Um, one of the things that was also my responsibility in the home was um, cooking for everybody. So I would make dinner and I would feed my younger siblings. And then my brother would get home from baseball practice and he would eat. My father would bring home whatever girl and they would eat. And then I would make sure my younger siblings weren't still hungry. And a lot of times I would go hungry because Mm. my dad kept the food in his room. Wow. Um, So we didn't have any food out in our cabinets or pantries or anything like that. And so when I would ditch school to go um, to the gas station, I would steal change from my dad so that I could get myself a sure. bag of chips yeah. or a can of ravioli or whatever yeah. I need to do. Yeah. Luxury. So, right. Luxury. Exactly. Cold <laughs> can of raviolis and a plastic fork. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so I ditched school that day and I, uh, went by myself just across the street and I was there by myself. So I walked around and I was just lingering and, um, I had had suicidal thoughts for a while, but, um, and I had thought about self-harming, but I never really acted on it. I had kind of tested it out one or two times, but never religiously because I was honestly, I just didn't want the attention that scars or cuts would bring. So I was just kind of like, whatever. So I wandered around the gas station. I got myself a bag of chips and I'm just wandering through the aisles and I just happened to walk down an aisle. I never go down and they had a pack of razor blades, um, on one of the shelves and I stole them. Um, I think in the moment I didn't even really think about what for. I just was kind of like, this sounds interesting. Mm. So I took them and I bought my chips and I left. And then I, a few nights late, a few days later, I got home from school and my dad was leaving to go try to have a um, dinner date with my younger sibling's mom and my brother was still gone staying with my uncle. Um, and I was home with just my younger siblings. And so 
I did my usual. I cooked dinner, cleaned up, fed my younger siblings, put them to bed. Um, and I had planned to end my life that night. Um, and beforehand I stood in the bathroom and that was the first time that I remember of my own like volition. I prayed, um, obviously I'd prayed a few times going to church on like Easter and Christmas or whatever, but that was the first time by myself that I even prayed. And I was like, God, if you are even real, like I need you to give me a sign. I need you to show me if there's anybody who even wants me or needs me alive. Because at this point it was like, my brother is gone. The one person that I always thought would be protecting me because Mm. he was the only one who ever protected me. Um, and I was responsible for my younger siblings. And up until this point, that was the only thing that was keeping me alive. Mm. Like, because they needed me and I didn't want them to experience the same thing that I was experiencing. But the night that I threatened my own life and that made my dad stop, it kind of switched something in me that said maybe if I was dead, then things would change. Mm. And so I really just sat there and cried and prayed and told God, I really need a sign. Like I need a sign right now and not in, it might come in a few days and I I need it right now. Yeah. And at this point, my younger siblings had been asleep for a few hours and they had been sleeping through the night. And as I finished my prayer, my little brother woke up and started to cry. And usually he would just wake up and hang out in his crib or whatever. But Yeah, he woke up and he just started to cry. And so I said, okay. And I threw my razor blades in the trash and I went and I picked him up and I rocked him back to sleep and I just said, okay. And I went to sleep for the night. And I'd love to be able to tell you that from there, I was like, devout Christian, (laughs) love you, Jesus. Like, no, that wasn't it. Like, I was still like, I went on and I was like, God, you must hate me. Like, everything that I was going through, I was like gosh and still i would have the if statements right like if you're real like this is stupid yeah so So that was um that was definitely a point in my life though that god definitely showed up for me yeah um and yeah i think when i was younger and even just throughout my life there's so many times that i'm like Oh, it's, it's just a coincidence, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. Like, it's totally God working in my life, and it's yeah. just crazy to look back now and think about it. But anyways, yeah. so um, shortly after that, um, I – so, okay. <sighs> Sorry. You're fine. Okay, so as I was going through school, I had tried to notify the social workers of everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. So I went to the social workers at my school, and I had even went as far as calling CPS myself and telling them everything that was going on. And each time, um, it kind of just went south. Like, they just called my dad and were like, hey, is this the truth? And I was like... 
really? Yeah. Like, so cool. Yeah. Do you usually get somewhere with that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, around the same time, um, so around 13, 14, my mom had gotten sober. Um, and those are the only two years of my life that my mom has ever been sober. Um, but she finally came back into our lives and, um, really saw how bad things were getting with my dad. And, um, she went, actually went to my school and told them everything that was going on, which I thought it was funny that they listened to her, but I mean, but anyway, right. yeah. but anyway, right. So, um, a, as we got to school that morning that my mom went to the school, um, we were like immediately called into the office, like didn't even get to class. Yeah. Didn't even get to breakfast. I walked through the gates. They were like, Courtney and Derek come to the (laughs) office right now. And so, um, we did. And I remember being so mad, not because they were taking us away, but because they wanted to question me and they wanted to take pictures of my bruises when they wouldn't listen to me to begin with. So I did not cooperate. I was just kind of like whatever, but they were very forceful and um, it was just not a good experience. They didn't make sure we had breakfast. They didn't make sure we had lunch. We were at the school office until about midnight. Um, They didn't make sure we had dinner. So it was just like a really bad um, experience with, the social workers overall. Mm -hmm. Um, and we ended up getting placed with my aunt and which she is also an alcoholic. And I wasn't going to say no because I was a kid and wasn't going to be like, no, but nobody else wants me. So let, I'll let you split me and my brother up. Like that's not what I was going to do. So my younger siblings got moved to um, their mom full time. And we got put with my aunt who, if the CPS workers had done their research a month prior, she had um, gotten really drunk and jumped off of her roof in front of me. Jeez. Um, And so she was no longer allowed to drink around her kids, but um because that was something in her custody agreement with her ex-husband, it didn't account for me and my brother. Sure, yeah. So moving in there, that was <clears throat> really hard to go from dealing with one alcoholic to another. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, it just went the same way it always does. My brother learning to just be quiet, do his own thing, and me not. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But um, I lived with her from about 15 to 18 um and that was really rowdy and my cousins and didn't really ever have my own room just kind of lived on the loft and like, yeah so yeah so just a lot of craziness yeah but, yeah so then um about my uh at the end of my senior year um I was like dead asleep and it was like 3 a.m. And my aunt came into my room and she ended up uh, coming into my room crying about something. I don't even know what still to this day. I have no (laughs) idea what it was. Um, But she asked me if she was in the right and I was half asleep. So I wasn't thinking, you know, let me. Okay, she's drunk. She's upset. 
like let me agree with her so that this doesn't go south but i was asleep so i like wasn't really thinking about it and i was like no you're wrong like you're totally wrong and she kicked me out of the house (laughs) and so um i went and stayed with another family member for a few weeks and uh then i left for my first year of college and this is one of those moments where it was like gosh this has to be a coincidence but yeah. it's really <laughs> yeah. just god in my life doing crazy things and so i went to college and we had a welcome week and that's just where they do a bunch of different events um with a bunch of different of uh, the like programs yeah. um uh to try to get you to meet people get uh included in stuff and s- yeah and yeah. so I was so scared. Okay, I didn't know anybody there. My roommates were two cheerleader girls who had already been there for a month knowing each other and sure. everybody else. And so I was like, gosh, dang it, really? Um, and so I waited until the very last event. I didn't go to anything. Okay, <laughs> I sat in my room. So It's so lame, but I did. <laughs> I sat in my room all by myself being a sad. And... um that very last event and i it was um it was just like a little bonfire uh with a place called chi alpha which originally i saw it and i was like ah, it's got to be like a sorority or like a fraternity or something sure. like that yeah, right yeah oh man i walk all the way to the other side of the campus and i get there and there's a bonfire and i walk up and i start saying hello and talking to people and everybody's being really nice and welcoming but i'm like hmm so i see this girl and she is probably most like me out of everybody. So she's tattoos, piercings, like rock on. Like she's got her band t-shirts on. And I'm like, cool, I like this girl. Yeah. So I go and talk to her and her name's Amber. And I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> this does not seem like a sorority or fraternity. Like what yeah. is going on over here? She's like, we're church. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so yeah. at this point I'm still like angry at God. I'm like, what are you doing? You hate me. Like, ah. And so I was like, dang it, I really need friends, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, and there was this other girl named Hannah who was hanging around and she said hello to me. And in the moment I was like, I do not want to talk to this girl. I do not like her <laughs> at all. And now I know that it's just because she carried like the spirit so well. Like she just, she embodied like the peace that mm. Christ brings and yeah. she's just, she's so faithful and man, I love that girl now. But yeah. when I first met her, yeah. I was terrified. I yeah. was like, I don't like you. <laughs> and so I just slowly started hanging out with this girl, Amber, and she just constantly tried to invite me, you know, hey, like come to my small group, come to my church, blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, mm, no, I'm not about it. And so finally, after probably a good month or two of her being like, just really harassing me about yeah, it and being yeah. like, come on, I decided, fine, I'll try the small group first before the church because the church is bigger. So I was like, fine. So um, we set up the Tuesday for me to go and meet at the um, at the small group. And I walk all the way across the campus because I don't know how to use the bus yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I get there to the building that we're supposed to meet at. Little, little, little did I know Hannah was the one leading the small group. Okay. I didn't know this sure, at the time. Sure. Um, and I get there and I call my friend Amber. I'm like, hey, I'm here. And she's like, yeah, sorry, I'm not going to make it. And I was like, oh. 
really? <laughs> you suck. And so I go to turn around to walk away, and Hannah comes running out the door. Mm. She's like, oh, my goodness. Hi. Come in. Like, I'm so excited to have you here. And she's so sweet, and I'm so mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets me in there, and she goes, so it looks like it's just us today. Everybody else canceled. And I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) And so we sat there for four or five hours, really just, I mean, she just abandoned her entire, like, lesson that she was planning to go over. And um, she just asked me kind of where I was at with God in that moment. And um, we got into a really long discussion about um, how I felt about God. And I being me who was angry at God wanted to just argue of course but she wouldn't let me Mm. you know she just she stayed so calm and she (laughs) just every question I had she answered it through the bible I mean Mm. she said you know I don't know the answer but let's look yeah and um I think that was the first time that somebody had really sat down with me and like went over it and said hey like God loves you like he wants you like it doesn't Mm. matter where you come from or what you've done or any of that he he loves you and he he wants you close and so from there I started um I started going to church and going to um the small group more regularly and I accepted Christ into my life that um that February Mm. I was baptized Mm. um and that was just amazing i was so happy (laughs) that happened um but i got to the end of my um freshman year of college and i had spent so much time in this community surrounded by good christians um and people who just loved on me all the time and made me feel welcome they helped me through times that were really rough um there were times when i um was falling behind on paying for school and people just came forward and were like, Hey, like we want to help you out. Mm. And that was a blessing for sure. Um, and I also was able to go to, um, a mission trip in Las Vegas, um, at the red light district there. Um, and my, I had it like almost, almost paid off and my job stopped giving me hours. And I was like, dang it. And Hannah ended up paying for the rest of my trip for me. And um, I was able to go. And that one thing that I had always struggled with um, was praying out loud. I always would say, like, oh, my goodness, my prayers just aren't powerful like other people's. Like, it's just it was really something that I just did not like to do. And so one of the big things while we were out there was praying for people. (laughs) Yeah. And so that kind of helped me overcome that fear. And I ended up, we ended up getting split into groups to go through this um, community and just pray for people. And um, I got paired with a little shy 13 year old girl. (laughs) So I was pretty much forced to be the one to pray for people, which was fine. Like that's what needed to happen because otherwise I would have just shut down and let other people down. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, you got it. Like it's fine. But yeah, so I was able to step forward and do that and really realize that it doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter how much experience I have with prayer as long as I am able to invite God to speak through me, then that's all that matters. Um, 
and so yeah and so then I got to the end of my freshman year and um my younger siblings were taken away by CPS and placed into the foster system and so I um moved back home with my dad um who was finishing up rehab and um, got an apartment with him and um, fought for like a year to get my younger siblings out of the system, went to court, all of those things. Um, didn't go back to school, obviously. Mm, yeah. Um, and so that was really hard first moving back um, because I went from having this good community of people who love and care about me and um, can support me through scripture and through their relationship with God um, and help me grow in my relationship with God to moving back home with my family who says they're Christians but don't do what I have been shown a Christian is. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, they're not walking the walk. Right. Yeah. And so that was really hard. And just one like pivotal moment was after probably about a year and a half of living there, I had completely stopped going to church. I wasn't really engaged with anything, with anybody who's Christian. I just completely fell off the the wagon and um, just stopped really communicating with anybody that I knew that was Christian from college or anything. Um, I did know... Anna at this time and um she was Christian and her mom was Christian and um I just remember I went to her house and um I sat down with her mom and I just cried and I told her I was like I don't know how to do this I don't know how to be Christian in a place where I'm surrounded by people who aren't supporting me like I just I had never tried to follow Jesus while surrounded by people who weren't Mm -hmm. and so I pretty much had a choice like I can either do what I need to do and follow Jesus or I can just fall back into my old ways and continue with the old decisions that I was making or um just follow with whatever my family was doing and so that was a big decision and it was a tough one to make because it's like one of those things where when you have people around that can hold you accountable it makes things easier but when you don't like it's really telling because especially with just like going to church like it's literally just get up on Sunday and yeah. go to church yeah. but like it was so hard yeah to be stable in that and continue going and so that was really that was really hard um And so for the last few years, I've been living with my younger siblings, um, taking care of them and they, um, they're doing good. I miss them now that I'm here, but, (laughs) but, um, they just, they've grown up so much and my dad has stayed, stayed clean. Um, but he has started drinking again, Mm. um, which was really devastating when it happened because he started drinking for the first time since he got sober on my 21st birthday 
Um, and I had planned to not drink because I didn't want to be the cause of his relapse. Yeah. And instead he brought me a shot of fireball and took one himself before he even handed it to me. And I was, I was really upset, but I was just kind of like, it's out of my control. Like, that's just one thing that I have tried to accept along the way growing up so independent um I always try to take care of everything myself solve it myself um but I've just I'm still honestly learning that I just need to give it to God and let let him fix it or he like he has a plan yeah you know he he knows all I don't there's nothing I can do to change it. Um, so I just need to let him have it. And I totally suck at that. Like <sighs> there are daily things where I am walking through and something happens like as simple as my car breaking down. Yeah. And instead of my first um, my first act being turned to God and say, hey, God, like I really need help right now. Yeah. Like This really sucks. Um. I go, okay, how can I fix this? Yeah. And so that's something that I've really been working on recently. But, um, yeah, I moved here to Montana. Um, and my dad is still going strong. He's got my younger siblings. Um, and, I mean, I keep a close eye on yeah. <laughs> still. But um, even when there are things that scare me and um, worry me about my, about my dad or my younger siblings, I – do my best to really just trust God in it mm-hmm. and everything. And so um, I moved here about a year ago and uh, I started coming to Faith Chapel. Mm-hmm. So exciting. <laughs> um, and I have been loving it here so far, but it has definitely been hard moving away from my family. Mm-hmm. And um, I... So gonna backtrack one more time sorry no you're fine when i was in high school again and i was going through that whole situation of um having suicidal ideations and um being kind of on that brink um it was something that continued even though i even though i decided to um stay alive and i took that sign of my little brother waking up as okay, God, like, you want me alive. Like, I am alive for a reason. Mm. I, um, that, that still continued. And so, um, I've been living here and I have moved in with my best friend. And, um, I mean, we go to church together every week. Like, I try to stay on top of reading my Bible and everything. Um, but I have found, um, I had found a few months ago, I was just getting really, really bad into a really deep, deep depression. And um, it was just kind of escalating um, to the point where my suicidal ideations were getting worse. Um, I never really, I never made a plan or or had any um, inkling to self-harm, but it was getting there. Right. And so... Um, I actually um, ended up starting to go to um, counseling and um, I really prayed about it for a long time because um, my mom 
and my aunt, they both have depression. Um, and they both use other substances at the same time. Sure. And so my whole life they've been called crazy by the people around them, right? Because yeah. when you are on any kind of medication and you're taking it with any other kind of substance, it's going to alter the way that it affects yeah. you. Um, and that was a lot of the reason why my mom and aunt did act so crazy. Yeah. But to me, that was like a kind of like a stigma that, like that was going to be me if I did get sure. diagnosed. And so for um, probably about a month or so before I started therapy, I was just really praying about it because I was like, man, I know this is what's going on. And um, I had had a feeling for a really long time that it was depression, but um, I always felt like I had a reason, you sure. know, yeah. like everything's going with my dad. Like I have a yeah. reason to be sad. Yeah, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so like now I was at this point where I was like, things are good. Like I'm meeting people. Like I live with my best friend and like, we don't really have too many um, crazy issues. Like I'm going to church. Like I'm not in this toxic environment with my family. So like, why am I feeling this way? Right. And so after a while of praying about that, I finally went back to counseling and was diagnosed with depression mm. and um started on some medication there and um yeah that's been a journey getting started sure yeah um but it's been good and yeah and so um let's see haha <laughs> so um circling back to um being sexually assaulted three different times and um being exposed to so much um not only through my parents but also um as a child with my father being so absent and like he just didn't really pay attention he um you know we were, we were back in like the early 2000s we didn't have like I mean we probably did but not really like the <laughs> online google like look up whatever you want kind of thing um and so they had those you know the dvds uh or yeah. vhs's and so I would come home from school and I'm like I'm gonna watch my cartoons you know six seven eight years old and you know all I remember is my Barney CD being in the DVD player and I press play and it was not Barney right. uh, in the yeah. CD player um so I was also introduced to pornography at a really young age um and because I was sexually assaulted I discovered my body really really young mm -hmm. as well and so that was something that I struggled with for a really long time um and i hid it for a really long time i kept it a, i kept it a secret from the people that were closest to me um and i mean i never for a long time i never even really handed it over to god either yeah. like i never really said hey god like i'm struggling with this because i came from where I came from and it was just the norm. Like right. everybody, everybody watches it. Yeah, everybody, the big you know? Deal. Right, exactly. And so um I honestly just uh probably about six months ago shared it 
with somebody for the first time. Um, and before that, I handed it over to God and I said, God, like, I want to get out of this sin. Like, I know I'm sinning and I know it's hurting our relationship. And I can feel the tension and the um, barrier um, in my relationship with God at that point. And I um, went to a friend that I honestly didn't even know that well because it was easier to tell someone that I didn't know that well versus, <laughs> sure, yeah. versus like my best friend who is yeah. l- living in the same house as me. And I could <laughs> be like, hey, like, let me share this with you. Like, no. Yeah. Um, and so just from sharing it there it brought a lot of freedom from Mm -hmm. it and um it's it's still a struggle as is every sin but um I have shared it now with my best friend and her mother as well and um just honestly the opening that part of me up to the people around me and sharing that with them has really 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 freed me yeah um and it's really scary (laughs) too because i think although a lot of we all sin a lot of other sins i feel a lot of times are easier to talk about um and sexual sin isn't something that people usually want to talk about it's pretty (laughs) uncomfortable most of the time but i think especially with girls it's There's a big stigma there with girls and um, pornography and um, yeah. So I have come a long way. Um, God has brought me a long way and um, really healed me. I mean, even just since being here, um, I struggled with, you know, abandonment from my parents and um, just being able to see the way that um, Anna's stepdad interacts with her and you know her sisters and he honestly treats me just like a daughter Mm. and he gave us all cards on father's day about how we're each so special and it did it made me feel very special and i get to relearn how the father loves me Mm. through not only through like my prayer time and my time my devotional time with god but also through watching other people parent their kids and 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 being able to then change the idea in my head of how god loves me and um holds me and so that has been really 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 amazing um yeah i mean overall the biggest uh thing throughout my whole life that i've really struggled with is fear um fear of rejection fear of abandonment fear of literally being here right now (laughs) so um i have shied away and um not shown up for a lot of things because of fear but again that comes back to trying to um trust god and um his will and um, yeah, so I have this tattoo now on my arm for Second Timothy 1-7, um, which is, for God did not give us the spirit of fear and timidity, but that of power, love, and self-control, and that has just kind of been my life verse as of, yeah. um, I think about a few years ago now, um, and I 
put it right on my arm because I try to remind myself all the time, <laughs> okay, God's got it. God's got it. I don't need to be afraid. And even if I am, like, God's got it. I don't. It's it's out of my control. Right. It's in his hands. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And I think another um, another verse that helped me get even here, I thought it was pretty funny because I was actually looking through my Bible app just a few weeks ago, and I um, I was looking through all the random notes that I've put in there. Oh, sure. And yeah. this one, I just laughed because I was like, wow, like that's so true. And so the the verse was Revelation 3.20, which is, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. It, he, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Um, and the note that I had put down was God will use you and transform you. He does not ask for perfection, only an invitation. And so I just thought that was super cool because I constantly try to strive for bigger and better things and to be quote unquote, a good Christian for God to love me. And, um, realistically he's loved me regardless he was loved me before i came to him he's Mm. he's desired me and chased me down before i even knew that was what was happening and so i mean i just think it's amazing and regardless of if you're in sin like you can just turn to god and ask for help in any situation you're in and sure he might say hey you know you need to make some changes but um it's in a loving way. It's not, it's not a harsh love. Mm. It's a tender hearted love. Yeah. And that's something that I hadn't experienced a lot of growing up. So that's been super interesting. Um, accepting that yeah. <laughs> into yeah. my life, honestly. Um, but as of right now, I have been working at, a place with foster kids doing supervised visitation for kiddos who have been taken away by CPS. And um, it's just in another way that I am so like amazed in the way that God has brought me so far and um, really used the circumstances that I was in um, to um, bring light into somebody else's situation so um even though I don't have kids um I am able to kind of have perspective on each um situation because I personally was in the foster system yeah and then I fought to get my younger siblings out of the foster system and then now working um as a worker so I've kind of been the child the parent and now the worker (laughs) yeah um so I've been able to see all three different sides and I wouldn't have been able to do that without the things that I have been through in the circumstances um and so it really just shows how God brings things full circle and um I'm really excited just to see where I go from here um I have taken a long break from school and because of my younger siblings and taking yeah. care of them and and then now finally getting to a space where I can take care of just me. Yeah. Um but I am excited to finally get back and 
enjoy it again and it not be a burden because I have so many things going on, but to just continue to do things that I love and finally have the time to do the things I love. So, I mean, it's been super exciting time in my life right now and just, um, yeah, I'm excited to keep growing and keep working with Faith Chapel and I love volunteering on Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, shout out. (laughs) Shout out young adults. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, so I'm really excited and yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited too. I'm excited. I, I love having seen how much you've grown in the last 12 months that I've seen you. Yeah. And like, you're just on a trajectory where God's using it. Like your story is amazing. Like, thanks for being so vulnerable and honest. And it could be really easy to bury a lot of that stuff. And your story is going to change other people's lives. It's going to make them willing to be vulnerable themselves. And that's why we're doing it. That's the whole purpose of the podcast is for people to understand that like stories are impactful and like, Jesus uses each one of our individual stories to do unbelievable things. And I know I'm impacted by your story and somebody else is going to be too. And I mean, you threw a sermon in there too. Like there's a, there's a good good (laughs) sermon in there. Like you're bringing the word. And so thank you so much for being willing to do it. And um, I love having you a part of this family and just excited to, to keep doing life with you. So thank you for being willing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I mean, the last thing I just, if I could say is just, it wasn't easy. Okay. It was really scary for like, yeah, what'd you, what'd you say to me last night? Yeah. I'm going to Arizona tomorrow. (laughs) So I was, I was really scared. I really prayed about it. And honestly, I like, I'm not gonna lie. I have this outline in front of me and, um, I started filling it out about a week ago, trying to prepare for this. And, um, before then I had just been praying about it for a really long time because we had originally set a different date and then it got canceled. But, um, yeah, I was really filling out this outline and I went to go talk to Anna's mom and I just cried. And I was (laughs) like, man, I could so easily just talk about everything that I've been through and share about the things that like other people have done to me, but it's not so easy to share about my personal sin and the things that I've done um, that have fractured my relationship with God. And so that was just so funny. And I was just, I cried and I was like, gosh, I know he, I know God is calling me to share this. But I was like, (laughs) I don't want to. (laughs) So, But yeah, so she prayed with me and just pretty much told me, you know, it's for the glory of God. It's not about you. It's not about your image it's about how god is going to use your story and so i said okay so i went back and revised (laughs) yeah uh, Yeah. yes and amen and amen amen well courtney thank you so much um yeah you're amazing We'll, we'll talk to you soon okay okay all right thank you for listening to the fc young adult podcast if you are in the billings area we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on tuesday nights at 7 p.m if you're unable to attend in person there are always ways to engage online follow along through instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc you are loved